Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. Welcome to How to Get Your First 100,000 Podcast Listeners, where we talk about the very granular how-to tactics, as well as the big picture thinking you need to grow and multiply your listener base. My name is Luis Diaz. Let's dive in. Marushas, thank you for, for jumping in and for being a part of this. So uh, this is not a normal podcast interview. This isn't really supposed to be a podcast interview. So I'm not going to treat it like that. I want to treat it more of a, as a training, as which is what we planned it to be. But you are the community expert by all accounts. I have heard and seen your work. And some people I really, really respect in the space have recommended your work and what you do. So without going, we, we could probably spend a whole day on some of the some of the cool people you've worked with. But um, could you give a quick highlight of like how you help people with build community and a little bit about um, what you've been up to in the past three, four years in this space? Sure, sure. Well, I, I'm just so appreciative, Luis, to, for me to be here. I love podcasters. I'm about to launch my own podcast um, after having had one in the past. And yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled about it. So it is a pleasure to be here. In a nutshell, over the last 23 years, I have learned the art of building community. As a community architect, I've learned the art of building community from a place of people first with profits to follow. And I, what I've recognized is that when we go into business, we go into our companies and our podcasts and to the whole ecosystem of our, of our work, we really create a much better, much more sustainable model. We don't have to always keep like focusing on like, how many more new clients do I get every month? I, you are nurturing people that have gotten to know you either in a short amount of time and said yes, or over the long haul, um, who are ready for for more, for more opportunity to get to to work with you again and again and again because they've gotten to know you over time. So over 23 years, I've, I've been building communities. I've built over 200 communities from visions all the way into seven, eight, and actually we recently built our first nine-figure online community. My clients, I love the diversity of my clients because it really is about bringing community to me. It's about bringing community from the place of the heartbeats first, the people first, into into whatever space that's calling that community. So we, um, I work with coaches uh, in some cases who have 
a beautiful, small but mighty community of 250 people that are now generating $500,000 a million um, per year through their communities, all the way to um, a resort in Maui, and then just built uh, our partnership with um, Kajabi. They're one of my clients in multiple different ways, all the way to the first 1 million person community that I just built in the in the relationship space. Um, because of their Netflix show, we were able to leverage that um, significantly. I've also done a lot of work with brands who are wanting to build a network of people that are in their industry. And I've built a business incubator and playscapes, which are like retreats that you really actually want to go to because they're all play all the time, grown-ups camps. So lots of these things have been built because of partnering visionaries with their really phenomenal visions and then really inviting them to see that through into reality. So yeah, community is how I is how I do life. My family, if you if you came here to Orlando where I live, you would probably be invited to one of my potlucks at some point because I just love I love getting to know awesome humans, uh, both in person and online. So yeah, excited to be here. Very cool. You're you're right about the diverse diversity of the people you work with. So that's exciting because we have diverse people here. So I am super curious and as to get into Rosha, kind of what your process, because I think it's very different from how we, like you said, how we approach online business or just on business when we get in, get started in general. So yeah, take it away. However you want to kind of lay this out. I can give you some context for the room. It's most of us here are coaches and experts looking to build a community and some have started and have a small Facebook group. Others we're just getting going with a podcast, starting just to put out really good content. So does everybody here have, feel free in the chat. I'd love to see who you are. Tell me where you're from um, and what your niche is. So while we're going through the presentation, because I have some slides here, I can make sure to, as I see things that might spark for you specifically, I can definitely bring those ideas in for you. Um, so thank you. Okay. So I see, I'm pulling up the chat here. Laura. Hi, Laura. So you're in California. Okay. Gym owners. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So feel free to just, you know, keep, keep writing, keep sharing that with me. And, and as, uh, as questions arise, you know, I would love to see those as well and feel free to put that in chat and I'll check into the chat every so often, um, as we get started, because I really want to make this relevant to you. Absolutely. Um, so let me share my screen here. Tell me if you can see it, please. Really what we're going to dive into is, you know, part of why Luis and I really connected was because as somebody who loves listening to podcasts, someone who's built a podcast in the past, who's in the process of becoming a co-founder for a podcast network and about to launch my my next podcast, I love podcasts. And I see the value and the possibility for what is possible for you. And, and especially when you're wanting to cultivate those relationships with the people that are listening to your show. As we go on today, we're really going to be focusing on these three core areas. We're going to cover, you know, how do you get started, right? It, where should you start? Where should one start if you already have a podcast? What platform should you be building your community on? And what are some of the biggest mistakes that I've seen when it comes to building community? I'm not necessarily going to go in that order, but through the presentation, you're going to be learning about these and then we'll save some time at the end for sure for us to have a conversation, um, have, have a have more conversation about how to how to support you in the best possible way. Um, should you have any other questions? So, okay, Maureen, I see in the chat here you're from Seattle, love it, uh, and you're working on a podcast for uh, and community. 
for older people in the tech world. Ooh, very cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Okay, so this is one of my clients. He's actually one of the um, advisors, a brand advisor, specifically for some brands that you might know, Chanel and Lancome. He is um, he's based in Australia, and he's also part of the reason Chanel, Lancome, and other brands like them come to him is because of his ability to tell the future, <laughs> in essence. He is incredible at being able to predict trends. And in one of the conversations that I heard him speak at recently, he spoke specifically about community and about the power of communities, not necessarily like the million personal communities that I just helped build, but really the communities that are that we call micro communities, right? Small online communities that are going to be, he and his um, prediction, are going to be driving about 80% of revenue for all businesses. And by 2031, it's literally going to be, you know how like when, when back in 1997, 1998, we were just starting to get the internet. And by like 2000, basically everyone in the Western world had internet. And so even if it's dial up, we still had internet. That's literally how it's going to be by 2031 when it comes to community. So for those of us who are now investing now in building and cultivating the relationships that we are having with our audience through our podcasts, we're the ones who are going to be coming out as the as the OGs, if you will, in the next eight or so years. And that's what I'm here to, to share is how do we do that? How do we do that well? Um, because it's those who have been in the industry that are going to be seen as the thought leaders. Those are the ones who've already cultivated the communities. It's, you know, it's just going to be a part of what's needed to continue to grow and expand from there. So what we currently know right now in communities that it's everywhere. So back in 2017, the company Facebook actually came to me and, you know, obviously now they're meta, <laughs> um, but they came to me. I had a community in Austin, Texas, where I lived at that time that was, um, that was, that grew very fast. Um, it was called the Austin Moms Network. It's now currently 27,000 moms large and the city of Austin um, actually pr like promotes it to all new families coming into the city. Um, we have partnerships with nonprofits. It's an incredible organization at this point. And back in 2017, Facebook came to us and were like, okay, what are you doing? And I literally thought legit, guys, it was in my DMs on Facebook. I thought it was like someone spamming me and pretending they're a Facebook employee, right? We were like, no, 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 like for real? Yeah, for real. This is really happening, Louise. Like, and I was like, uh, am I in trouble? Like, because I didn't know how to be with it. And they're like, no, like seriously, you are doing incredible. Can we get on a call with you? Um, there's so much engagement. Mm -hmm. And basically, they confided in me that Zuckerberg was about to do this announcement, um, say that he was going to be investing more dollars in the growth of Facebook groups at the time than anything else in the company uh, because he saw where we were going with communities. Um, and, and now, with all, even so, even with all the breakups, guess what they did not pull back money on, right? They didn't pull back any money on the community platforms, on the groups platform. And they're, if you notice, they're even calling it communities at this point. So they're planning this investment through at least 2030. Um, and that is something to be really paying attention to because right now, when people are like, oh, does Facebook group still works? So Facebook, Facebook is still the largest, the behemoth in, the, in, all, uh, you know, in all community platforms at this point um, that we want to be paying attention to. And certain audiences, like, you know, like we mentioned, Maureen, yours, your audience specifically, they're hanging out on Facebook right now. That's their platform of choice, typically. 
Um, so we want to be paying attention to that. Kajabi, another one of my clients, just purchased a community platform called Vibly um, that they're expanding right now because they know that the the need for community is so 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 relevant. They're two. They're valued around two billion dollars at this time. They're leading. They're one of the leading companies in the space of online um, communities. And what we also know is that we we desire belonging, right? We as humans, I mean, if the pandemic taught us anything, it taught us how important it is to be with each other, right? We miss being around each other. And I don't know about, I just got off a call with a dear friend of mine, Jennifer Love, who's built multi-million dollar companies online. Um, and she's literally calling me like, where do I need to be hanging out with humans? Because I need this right now. <laughs> And we need it. So how, the, but the problem is we know we desire belonging. We know we want to be more connected with the people that we're serving. Both both people in the community want to be together, but we also miss and we want to know our people typically. But the question that always comes up is how do we do this well, right? Like, because there's a lot of ways to do it wrong. And we've probably been in communities where we feel like it's been done wrong. <laughs> You're like, Ugh, I don't, I don't feel like I belong here. Like... I don't want to be in this room. This doesn't feel good. I feel like you're just money grabbing. Like, ew, I don't want to be here. So that's not what we want to create. So before we go into like, how do we do it? I want to actually address something that's super, super critical, especially for those of us who have podcasts. Um, and it's the question, it's answering this particular, uh, understanding these particular definitions. It's critical. Because I think one of the things that's happening right now in our in in the marketing space is that we are really... Um, diluting the the ability to really drive some major impact, both in our audience building and our community building strategies, simply because we're kind of combining them both in plain, thinking they're all the same, right? So I'm going to say they're not the same. So let's let's dive into how how they're different. So um, the first thing we want to address is what is an audience. So an audience is uh, I, I think of it this way. Right. Imagine like in this image right here, you're on the stage and you're looking out and you're seeing thousands of people, 10,000 people. Right. That pretty much let's imagine that that's an online space that might be you um, in uh, on Instagram or on YouTube or on your podcast. Right. You have the ability to now speak to people. It's very one directional. Right. They're there. They're energetically there. They're they're active. They're engaged. But they're 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 not speaking necessarily back to you, right? There's no real way for an audience to speak back to you. They might leave some comments, but it still is very much like, "Hey, look at me! I am I am I am giving something of value to you, audience member." Right now, is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. That's actually a beautiful thing. Why? Because it, the intention when we get clear on on audience and what we're doing and the the strategies and the the processes that we put into place to build our audience, it allows us to get those, what I call the aha moments, the light bulb moments, right? The number one goal that we have for growing audience is to get those light bulbs on and then wanting them to engage back in, right? But where we then stop is we think, oh, that's, that's community. Why isn't it engaged? Dang. Well, it's because the platform like Instagram, uh, YouTube is, is, they're trying to add more community elements there. Um, and and you know you could we could we could you know say Instagram is trying and so is TikTok but when it comes to like really being able to architect a really powerful community um, you want to be able to have have it in a space that's that's kind of um, that you can make it feel like a home right 
So when it's on platforms that are feeling like, oh, no, I'm still on Instagram or, oh, no, I'm still on TikTok, you know, with the lives and stuff, um, it, it, it's not necessarily your home. It's, it's TikTok's home and they can always swipe out, right? So you want to be thinking through when you're building an audience, like my intention here is to turn on lights, <laughs> turn, make those light bulbs turn on in their minds and be like, holy crap, right? Maureen, she's got it. She knows how she can. I know how she can help me. Let's go. I want to I deepen my relationship with her. I want to understand more about how she can support me in this way, right? So that's, that's your audience. Um, that's what an audience is. Then next is a community community. So a community then kind of, you know, represented right here in this, in this image, really you can imagine a community to be a place where two or more people come together around a specific interest, right? Around a specific interest. Now the interest could be as, as, as wide as uh, Maureen, you could do, I'm seeing your name here in the chat. So I, I, I'm calling you in or Laura, you guys could do something where um, you have a community on a very broad topic, right? So Laura, you could be like getting fit or losing weight. You know, like it could be just as broad as that, or it could be as niched as um, losing weight for women in their 50s, right? Or losing weight for women in uh, perimenopause. I mean, that's so specific, right? So the more the more specific, the more broad, that can, you know, there's a whole bunch of strategy that goes into that. And dependent, dependent on what it is that you're wanting to do with your community. But the idea here is to recognize that a community is based on an interest where two or more people have that same interest and they want to deepen the conversation around it. They want to understand. They want to, they want to get engaged. They want to have, instead of a one-directional conversation, it's a multi-directional conversation, right? So Luis and myself and Laura and Maureen, we're all here in this community right now, right? And we're in the chat is one of our community members. You guys are typing in the chat. So there it's communicating al alongside us into this conversation. And we now can have multiple conversations. You can, someone here can hit, you know, instead of to everyone, someone can leave a private message for Luis and they're having another conversation within the container of the community, right? So that in essence is a community, right? Exactly, Luis. Thank you for putting that in the chat. Community is a two-way conversation. Audience is a one-way conversation. And the intention in community is really to deepen and create transformation. When it comes to being in business, it's to deepen relationship and create transformation. Okay. Now, the, at the what level of transformation? Again, that's what we can figure out as we're designing the community with much more intentionality. So the current right now, you know, when I look at community strategy, um, there, there's a lot happening <laughs> in this world, right? There's a lot of technology being built. We've got AI trying to play in, um, wanting to be a part of the game. There's a lot of things happening. So right now, one of the things I really am excited about is, um, is what is possible. But the truth of the matter is when we see community, my slides are being slow today. Sorry about that, guys. Um, but when we see community, we often see it um, done very poorly. You know, we have a lot of people coming out into the world that says, yeah, just fill your your Facebook group with, you know, uh, 100 people per day. And then the 100 people per day are going to, you know, and what I call that is like a turn and burn model. And we don't want, we don't, we get people on the bus, right? In that case, we get people excited about the thing and we get them into a community thinking about that they're going to be excited about the thing that we're going to talk about. 
And then we just go straight into selling them. Oh my gosh, guys, how does that feel when you were the customer on the other side? It doesn't feel good at all. In fact, that's everything against what actual community is about. Community is about deepening that relationship, building that know, like, and trust between you and them. And so don't get them on the bus and then just burn the bus down. That is the worst idea ever. <laughs> and yet we see this all the time. And it's what people often come to me after they've, they've built it this way. And they're like, it's supposed to have worked. I, I heard that so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, it worked for them, but it didn't work for me. And in fact, I feel like crap. I'm like, yeah, because you're a relational person. You want, you really want your person to go somewhere with it. So what I instead encourage us to do is to really get them on the bus and then take them to see something that they've never experienced before. Right? What would it look like? If we gave ourselves permission to bring the, the, the innovation, the, the courage, the thing that you wanted to actually do with your community and lead them to that thing. How fun would that be, right? Not only is it unique, number one, but it also comes alive, not just for you, but for them, right? They feel your ener energy because you're bringing something really, really powerful to them. So that's what I want as we continue on. I really want us to think through um, about 95% of the communities that I create build what I call the pyramid built on two sticks. <laughs> and so this is this is how it goes. Typically, Marisha, I have this vision. I'm like, you do. Tell me about the vision because I do get excited about every vision because I love community. So I say, okay, tell me about your vision. What is it? And they're like, okay, my vision is, and then they'll fill, you know, fill in the blank. Right. I call that stick number one. That's our vision. And then they say, this is who I stand for. And this is what I do in the marketplace. And that's stick number two. And then because of that, and someone told me that I, I need to create a group, I went and started creating a group. I was like, awesome. awesome. So they went and they, they started building and they activated it. But the problem is anything that's built on two sticks, what happens? Yeah, it just topples, right? It falls apart. It, it's not going to last. And the reason it doesn't last is because there's, and when we pull, like when we've talked, been, I've been sharing the word intention a lot um, already. When we build from intention and we build from like a core vision, when we take the time to what I call slow down to grow fast, we build something that's much more sustainable, right? So for me, what I like to do is to take a moment to slow down and grow fast. And when I say slow down, I don't mean like it takes a year to build a community. No, no, no. I'm saying just let's let's slow down like even a day or a few hours and just really think through what do we want to cultivate. And when we and I'm gonna actually give you my model to be able to see how I do that. So you guys can you can use that model to to go forward. So the first thing I wanna I wanna say about slowing down to grow fast is to recognize that it's a three-part process to build community. The first thing that we always focus on is the heart, right? Right in the middle. The heart of the community is really made up of the vision. It's made up of your voice and it's made up of your values. It is the thing that at the end of the day, you know, I said like, let's build the thing that really gets you excited and takes them to this new place. That's that, right? All the courage, all the, all the innovation, all the uniqueness that is that makes you you. That's all part of the heart because we're really activating that piece of the process. I promise you guys, we will get to the profits in just a moment because that's super important too. 
But really, if we go in from here and we build from there, we can always subtract things that maybe feel a little bit too extravagant for the moment, but it, it doesn't hurt to think big and dream big because we can always add those in further down the line as we're continuing to build. The next piece that's super important is the art. So it goes from the heart to the art. And the art right here is really where we get to play in the design of the community, right? And so the community design, uh, we need to be thinking of specific things. I'll show you in a different way in just a moment what that looks like and what I mean by that. And then and then once we've designed it and we start to go into build mode and activation mode, we're now moving into the science, the science side of it. Because I want to know as a community architect, did the is the house going to actually stand? Is the house actually going to be turning into a home that wants that wants to have the people there? That do people want to hang out there? Right? We want to look at like what is working. How do we measure our success? How do we measure when it, it when it's right? And how do we how do we shift quickly? Um, and our numbers are going to be able to tell us that that information. So um, this is this is where I really want to spend some time today. Um, and it is what I call the transformed community paradigm. So we want to go from that pyramid that's built on two sticks into one where we're inviting the art, the art and the science to play. And we go in in that slow, to, slow down to grow fast mentality, right? So the foundation of this paradigm is the vision, the values and the voice, as I mentioned earlier. That's really, again, where we're going to find like our aliveness for why we're going to create the community in the first place. And also we start to inquire, like, how do my offers get in, engaged in here? Like, this is what I'm about. This is the community I want to build. I'm just, this is our opportunity and the foundation to just like let it all out, right? You don't have to know the structure. You don't have to know all the how-tos yet, but you just need to know that that's part of the vision, Right. So once we are really clear on the vision, the values, and the voice, we go into that next phase, right? And these, these um, from, from build or experiential value up to build, this is where you would focus on the art of community, okay? So in the experiential value, this is where I like to look at what is the culture? Who's the family that we're coming together? Who, who's the, who are the people that we want to create that sense of belonging with? What is the culture of the community? And when I say culture, I'm looking at things like um, everything from like, how do we say certain things? You know, if I say, the, if I say this term, all right, all right, all right, who do we think about? <laughs> right? It immediately drops us into Matthew McConaughey and his gorgeousness. Sorry, I have a massive crush on Matthew McConaughey. No worries. Um, yeah. So, but point being, right? Like, he has created experiential value by creating language that is so aligned with him as a brand, okay? So as a company, as your company, you get to do the same thing. You get to create experiential uh, opportunities for people to ground in and feel like, oh my gosh, when we do this, I feel like I belong here. This is a way in which we we create XYZ. So in one of my communities called The Revolutionaries, one of the things we do whenever we are sharing our wins and someone in the community is like, you know, has has grown their community another thousand people, whatever it is, you know, we we raise the roof. So you see all of us going like this. So somebody who is new that doesn't know that would be like, what are all these people going like this? Because you have like 30 people going like this at the same time. It's wild. But we know because that's like our internal language. We design that through our experiential value in this space here, right? We also could be thinking about celebrations, rituals, rewards, gamification, 
all of those things that really make a community feel really aligned in. From there, we want to go into what I call the profit path. So I, I designed profit paths based on my first 100 communities I took from vision all the way into seven figures. And I, I literally dissected. It was, 20, it was summer of 2020 when I was home with my three children and my do two dogs and my husband. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I just, I want to, this to get in front of more people because all these, all of my friends with live events, you know, or, or companies that were built on in-person relationships all of a sudden had nothing. So I literally spent the first three months of the pandemic giving everything away for free, doing workshop after workshop after workshop. And I started to realize, oh my gosh, what would it look like if we actually looked at how these, how do we systemically, um, systematically, I should say, build out these, these communities. And I saw from the hundred communities I studied that there are really five different pathways um, to building community very intentionally. It's almost like if you were going to get a, um, a floor plan, if we were going to be buying, if we were about to buy a house and the architect said, here's five different floor plans you could choose from. And you choose the one that feels right for you and your family, right? So that's the same thing with a profit path. Three of them are really designed for lead generation. These are amazing for podcasters, by the way, right? One of them is called the Endorse Community. Endorse is really designed for those who have an audience um, that is that is super passionate about the thing that it is that you speak about. But endorsers are not necessarily, they don't have their own product. They love creating partnerships and alignments with brands that have the product that can serve service their folks in that way. Um, and they are creating partnerships and building community around those partnerships around a specific topic. Um, the next kind of community is what I call an engaged community. These are lead generation communities. It's a free community, typically, that you bring in your community leads, right? So let's say, uh, Luis, let's say you had one specifically on podcasting, for example, right? You could build a community on like how to create a profitable podcast or profitable podcast network or whatever, right? And you bring everybody into that community that's interested in having a conversation about creating a profitable podcast, right? right. Um, and from there, um, you as an engaged community, we're engaging on that topic but then we have a whole process to invite them into their next thing, right? So that that could be uh, an example for an engage. An excite community is the third type of lead generation community. These are what I call small but mighty transformation communities. They could be free or they could be a typically like a low cost something. Um, and they're really to, I call them small but mighty transformations or excite communities because the intention here is to bring in people who are really aligned with your next step to take them into an offer and uh, get them excited, get them, create a mini transformation, these small but mighty transformations so that they're now like, oh my gosh, yes, please. I want more. I need more. <laughs> this is awesome. Let's go. And so some great examples of Excite communities look like challenges, workshops, um, uh, live events, right? Virtual events um, that are really there to help people have a small uh, small but mighty transformation. And then we move them quickly into the larger and the next group, which is what I call an educate community. Educate communities and the profit path are really designed to deepen the relationship with someone that's already invested, right? So this could be like if you have, if you're a coach and you have private clients, it could be a space where all of your clients come together and you're deepening that relationship with them so that they all together have more transformation. The intention is to increase a lifetime customer value 
and also um, and 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 through that it could be also to bring them and graduate them into other offers that are also down your pipeline, right? The final community type is what I call the evangelized community. So evangelized communities are kind of what they mean. You know, like I grew up in the I grew up Christian, so you know there was a lot of evangelists in in my in my world. Um, and what I learned from them was how passionate they can be about um, about sharing the news, right? You know, in in their case about Jesus. So so because of that. Um, you can think of it also in your business. You know, you have some clients that have had some insane levels of transformation that can't help but want to talk about you. You might also have some joint venture partners or affiliates that are in that same category. What would it look like to create a community of your raving fans in such a way that they get so freaking excited that they can't help but tell people about you on a more consistent and regular basis, right? Those are the evangelists. And we want to have them in their own community because when you have them in their own community, you can really nerd out with them about upcoming product launches, upcoming, you know, they can test out product and give you feedback, things like that, that the rest of the folks wouldn't have. They're kind of like on the inside and they love that feeling to be on the inside because I want they love the product, right? So we're doing this right now, for example, with Kajabi. Um, they have a, a, a community of, you know, super fans of their product. Um, and we, we invite them into testing what that looks like. It's really, really powerful to really then have them become your sales force. Um, so it's not necessarily for everyone, but it is something to be thinking about. Oh, there's multiple different types of offers here. I mean, profit paths here. Once we know what profit path you want to use, then we go into offer. So what offers are most aligned in for the community that you're building? Now that I know your vision, now that I know what your voice is in the marketplace and your values and your experiential about how you want to make it feel yummy and good and delicious <laughs> for all of y'all, um, then and then we know the profit path. It's really clear. This is the floor plan we're going to use. Then we go into the offer and we can now track and be intentional about the offers that are being brought in at their exact right time. You see how different that is than saying, oh my gosh, I love community. I'm going to go build community. I'm going to hit create on Facebook and then I'm going to have a dead group. You know? Like... <laughs> night yeah. and day very yeah. very different yeah That's yeah it. the intentionality behind like how you structure the groups based on the, the 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 end result is really what i take away here right and understanding that yeah because i've done that before i've you know said hey i'm going to build a group you get 100 members in there and then it just kind of goes flat because you don't really know where to go next and there's no there's no design you That's know from the, uh, the onset literally 98 maybe 99 percent of communities i work on are have done exactly that. You're so not alone, you know? And so I think there's a lot of shame around it. I think a lot of people are like, oh, Facebook groups don't work or Mighty Networks doesn't work or Circle, whatever, whatever the platform is. I One thing you have to know about me is I'm agnostic to platform. What I care and what I will always be, uh, I, it's almost like I'm a soldier in some ways. When when my client comes to me and they're like, Marusha, here's my vision. I My mind goes, okay, we'll find the right platform to create that vision, right? Because not all visions are the same. And so for me to come to you and say, everyone needs a Facebook group is actually not true. Um, I'd rather you to, like really live into the vision first. And then some of my communities, we scale into that later, right? So I had a, I actually had a community I was working on just last week. Um, they're building an incredible organization. Um, and where they want to go, their big vision is is going to take, it's definitely, it won't be served well in a Facebook group. 
but they currently have a Facebook group and they don't, they're afraid to like do the whole transfer over. So part of what we would be doing with them is, okay, great. Let's make it a phase one. We'll start here in Facebook. We'll get it to this level um, of success, right? This is how we want to, we want to, um, we want to track it up to here. We're going to activate it, for example, in Facebook. We're going to start tracking our KPIs, really building that relationship with folks and then using this group up, up until we, until this particular point. And then at that point, we're going to create a transition over into another platform that really serves you much better. And because we were able to think that through much more intentionally, we know now what it's going to look like and what the costs and the timelines are going to be to make that transition over. Again, a lot of people, when I, the community I just built that's a, a million people uh, large now, um, they had a huge, they had 120,000 people on Facebook. It was a huge community. Um, and they... They thought it would just be super easy to just move everyone to Mighty Networks because they had courses and things like that. They lost so many people, right? So we, a lot of what we had to do when they got the Netflix show was they we had to really first nurture the people that were in um, in both communities and then really train the folks in the Facebook group, take some time to then do that transfer over. So, But once you know, now you can make a more informed decision, right, as to what platform you to use what choice is the right one to make, and then you can go forward be and 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 create it um, from a, an empowered place versus a place that that you know hopefully it works. Let's cross our fingers, you know. I don't want that for any of us. Um, okay, so I'm just going to go through one more one more part, um, and this is really you know my company is called Revolutionary Communities, and it's because the clients I I, I work with want to create industry changing experiences. They see something that's wrong in their industry and they say, no, not this. Yes, this. Right. And so they're willing to be the ziggers when everyone else is zagging. <laughs> and so we actually designed this experience um, to really help you uh, understand how, number one, to know where you're at in terms of building your own community from a place of what we call the rumble right? And there's no, there's no, none of these are wrong. It's just really important to know where you're at. Um, all the way through to literally revolutionizing your industry or creating landscape change on the other end, right? So the journey that we take our people through and that I encourage you to think about when you're building community is, uh, is in one of four spaces. And we'll talk about each of these spaces, the rumble, the first wave, the groundswell, and the landscape change or, or the revolution. So the intention for the rumble phase is to create awareness, as you see there, aware, right? You really, if you, what I say is, you know, yes, we can build online communities, um, but we need to know why. We always need to know our intention. My first thing that I, I highly suggest is first to get comfortable in building your audience. Podcasting, as you guys know, is fantastic at building audience, okay? Typically... And every, every community is different. So this is just like a, a more standard, you know, standard answer here. But people in the Rumble are the ones who are really building that audience to their first up to 5,000 audience members, right? And the audience members could be, again, on whatever platforms you're using, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, all right, podcast. Yep. Um, we want to build the audience, our first 5,000 audience members. Why? Because we're getting comfortable in our voice. Right, we're get, we're starting to before we go straight into like uh, industry shift. We need to know what we stand for, 
And we want to start getting really comfortable in designing it that way. I really like in the rumble phase to support um, my clients to get their offer clearly defined and selling, right? So we want to know that before you go and jump into community, because in community, you're really holding space for a lot of people at the same time. You're creating responsibility around that. You are now able to clearly define and, and sell and know that we can sell one-to-one easily before we try to go in like hold space for groups and try to sell one-to-one, right? Um, also, I, I really want you to start thinking about your, uh, your culture build, you know? How do you build an intentional culture for your brand? Now, do you have to have it all like dialed up and buttoned up? No, absolutely not. But like, how do you want to feel? How do you want to be in your experience with your people that you're serving, right? Start thinking that way, that way. And so you begin to start thinking through the intentional culture. You just start to like, what if we had this? Or ooh, what if we, and then you start testing in your audience. You know, you might start saying certain things or you might start saying certain things a certain way and people are catching on. You're like, oh, everyone's saying that thing that I always say, that's cool, you know? Um, And you start to just make some notes about that. Like that's some things I might wanna bring into my culture as I continue to build out this brand further. And then also start building your strategic aligned alignment for your audience growth, right? So what does that mean? So maybe it's time to like, let's say, um, Laura, for example, in, in the fitness space, you might want to um, start getting to know others in the fitness space that may have adjacent products, you know, or, or you know, products that would be um, that would serve the same audience that you are serving, um, but might not look exactly like the, the way in which you're serving them. Um, but you also might want to find others that are doing the exact same thing in a different way. Maybe they have a quirky personality and you have a more like, you know, organized way of doing the same thing. You know, find all those folks and start designing and, and, and getting on phone calls, getting to know them. How are they, you know, would you ever be open to collaboration? Maybe get on each other's podcasts, things like that. You're building this in the rumble because the rumble, this is where I actually, I believe the most important the most important part of the rumble is building your social capital. Um, I, uh, I'm known also for what I call the three, the three types of capital. Whenever I build with a company, I'm always thinking about three types of capital. We all know about funding capital. We need money to, to help grow things, right? Sometimes it looks like uh, leveraging credit cards. Sometimes it looks like personal loans. Sometimes it looks like making sales um, so that we can buy more you know, leverage into the company. Whatever it looks like, it might be investor dollars, et cetera. But funding capital is important. But the second one is uh, media capital. You guys are already engaging in media capital. You're owning your lane with your podcast, right? You're really starting to create these aligned partnership, uh, potentially aligned partnerships, but definitely your aligned voice in the way in which you're doing your work. The third one is your social capital, right? So in the rumble phase, start designing that social capital well. Come from a place of value to others and and see what else is possible. One of my core values is play. <laughs> and the reason for that is because in play we play from play comes innovation and adventure. And and for me that is that's critical because I can be curious about the people that I'm with and see what else might pop, pop in or what can happen when we get a little bit creative about such and such thing, right? So use this time in the rumble if you're in this place to really really just enjoy knowing your first people that are coming over to you and, and getting to know you um, much more. The next phase would be uh, what we call, give me a second, the first wave. So the first wave 
is really where I, I call it like the intro phase, right? And what I mean by that is your first wave are your first early adopters. This is your, and it's also your prototype community. This is where you're testing things. You're really playing in the initial art, heart, art and science um, trifecta of growing the community. And it doesn't have to feel huge, right? Maybe, um, and I say, I like, to, I like to encourage you to build your audience to about 10,000, again, on whatever platforms feel great for you. And it could be 10,000 total, by the way. It doesn't have to be like 10,000 in your email list and 10,000 on LinkedIn and 10,000, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. But really a, a mixture is fine. But you really wanting to, at this point, prototype and see like, how, how do I like community? It's almost like dipping your toe in with the people that you really want to serve well, you know? And really, and I like that because you're now doing two things. Number one, you're seeing if you like it. Because not community building is is not necessarily um, something to. Um, this is so not marketing, right? Probably not marketing me well, but community is not necessarily the like for everybody. It's really for people who really want to invest in the people that they are wanting to serve. Um, the worst thing you can do is to, is to say you want to serve uh, community, <laughs> and then you don't show up, right? Because you. So everything I do is to really help you become a more responsible community leader. And the, being in the first wave is allowing that that to like try on. Am I wearing it well? Can I wear it well? Um, and and then and then also co-create in some ways with your early adopters. Get their feedback. Hear what they liked about it. What didn't they like? You know, how can they make? How can we improve it? And then we test and optimize. And then from there, then we expand into the groundswell. Groundswell is really that that place where like there's a huge like the wave it goes from just being like a small cute wave to now it's starting to like make waves it's starting to really um come to the surface and these are the waves you know i have um some family members that are into surfing um these are the waves that uh, every surfer wants to find right this is the one that takes you all the way all the way back to the shoreline and um they're huge they're huge waves so at this point, going from first wave to groundswell, we're really looking at how do we continue to nurture and love that audience, get those light bulbs to continue to go on to the tune of about 50,000 audience numbers, okay? And at that point, we can begin to now take this community that we've prototyped and we've been optimizing and we can now scale it, we can grow it, we can, we can really begin to even add additional communities potentially. We can look at that and bring in additional offers into the community. Um, and then this is really where it gets juicy. Joint venture partners and affiliate relationships that you've been building back in the rumble and into the first wave are now like, hey, look at us all grow up. This is cool. What else is possible? Right. So you've been building the social capital now, maybe for 18 months, two years is typically where I see where we can get it to the groundswell level. Um, sometimes it will take up to five, but it depends on the community and how fast you want to grow. Um, and we continue to test and optimize. And ultimately, we want to get here to the place where we are in the landscape change. And this is really where we are expanding the community to the level of industry game changer, right? So we're seeing, uh, you know, one of my clients, as I mentioned, is Kajabi. And I've seen them from in, back in 2009 when they were the Rumble. Like, we have this thing. We hate the fact that we have to go to, like, AWeber back in the day, AWeber, um, for email and uh, then we have to use XYZ for landing pages and whatever. What if we just have one place where you can find all the things? And I remember meeting, you know, uh, Kenny and Travis back then and being like, uh, yeah, guys, that's amazing. All right. And then I would, I would tell them like, okay, 
first focus on just nurturing, like love the people, get obsessed with them, you know? And then next thing you know, like they're literally getting obsessed with their customers and they move them from first wave to the groundswell. And now they're at the level in their, in their industry where they're wanting to be the landscape changers, right? So this is, and that's been, it's a 13 year process for them. 13? Yeah, 13. Well, I guess 14 since 2009. So yeah. So, you know, it, this is the long game, right? Uh, to get to this level, but that is, that's okay. This, you know, we're, we're into driven companies that are driving impact. So that's what we're looking for here. And we continue to expand those offers, but we continue also to be the thought leadership that really starts to shift conversation and the game even further. Well, really, that's all I wanted to share. I know there's a lot, um, <laughs> but I wanted to open it up. Yeah. I love it. Marusha, thank you so much for, first of all, laying out the framework and really a pathway you know, there's a lot more intentionality, I think, that meets the eye when we go to build communities than I think most of us probably put in. I think the culture thing was something that for me I got interested in about, but um, I know we got some questions here. And then guys, if we have questions, um, I know we don't have too much time for questions, um, but uh, yeah, we'll try to get as much done as we can. So I'll start with, uh, we had a few. Okay. So Laura, I'll start with Laura. This is kind of a Facebook in general question. Noticed a huge drop in engagement in the group last year. And I know based on what I know, like from working with Laura, she's pretty active in her Facebook groups, a lot of lies, um, post a lot of content in there. And her personal profile is actually done much better. Have you noticed this as well? Um, if so, can you talk more about it or how to correct it? I'd love that. I'd love that. And Laura, thanks for getting on video. I'd love to, you know, ask a couple questions. Um, so when you're in your face, so yes, number one, we see that often that Facebook likes to change algorithm. Um, all the time, right? So you're not alone in that. Sometimes they're like, oh, let's show all the group stuff. And the next thing you know, it's like all the personal stuff. And you're like, what? what? How do I? <laughs> um, we do a couple things uh, in our Facebook groups and, and really in all our groups within the various platforms. But specifically in Facebook, I see the, the biggest um, impact on that. And that is creating um, uh, two things. One is making sure that everybody that comes through the community um, we get their email. We get you know some basic information about them, so we can start um, creating tags based on where they're at in their journey to their next thing. So if they're like ready, for example, like I want to know, are they ready right now to make a make a buying decision? Right? I want to know, are they like in your case? And I'd love to hear about your community, but just real quick, just like some thoughts here, knowing if they're a really interested. Uh, in something, or maybe they're a newbie. Like, so if they're a newbie or, or more in intermediate would be an, a potential question. And then asking them for their email. And then having a tool like a, we use a, a tool called Group Track. I love Group Track. If you haven't heard of it yet, definitely encourage you to, to, take, to check it out um, and tell Jenna I said hi. Um, but it's really amazing because it helps take not just all the information that's um, given in those questions. Uh, into your um, into your CRM, like we use Active Campaign, um, but it also um, starts building a CRM within Facebook, so you can actually start tracking relationships in there and helping move those relationships forward. So we have a whole process. I would I would encourage you to design out a process for building partnerships and aligned connections in your own community. Secondly, is connect because you have the email. Um, connecting it back into your email sequence, but having a nurture sequence specifically for people who join the community. And then having um, oh, at least one weekly email 
almost like a digest or a newsletter for what's being ha what's happening in the Facebook group itself, um, because you're going to link in that in that net in the newsletter. You can link back to specific conversations and use the permalinks from the group. So what happens is when people are reading that that email, they click on that link, it goes back right into the Facebook group that they're already a part of. And what Facebook loves is knowing that the group's engaged, right? So it's one of our hacks to really start creating, building this like nice ecosystem of engagement back into the community. Um, Facebook's like, oh my gosh, all these people are coming back day over day. I'm gonna, we're gonna continue to show it up in into the into their um, thread. So we're really taking control as much as we can over what's happening in our community versus letting Facebook do all the work. Is there did that support you, Laura? Yeah, I'm doing most of those things already. Uh, like I link email to the group, definitely getting people's email and have a lead nurture sequence. And I don't know what it is. It just feels like since they introduced the at everyone tag, which I try and use very sparingly, that engagement in my group is just way down. And my personal profile used to be like crickets. And now I'll post the same things in both places and way more engagement on my personal profile. So I don't, That's I do both you know, consistently. And there is more in-depth content in the group. And I usually try and point people back to the group to get the full thing. But yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just kind of really yeah. died last year, I've noticed. Yeah. So and, and Facebook, again, they're trying to they're also trying to figure out where they want to put their their energy. So they're also doing a lot of testing um, as well. And that's why they, you'll see that there's this like up and down experience in there. Now, that being said, one of the things I love to do within the communities itself is really um, is, is to make sure that whether it's you or it's somebody on your team that is activating in the community every day. So um, even if it's just 15 minutes a day, you know, having somebody respond to comments and respond to, um, uh, to to posts from members. So it's not just all your content going in the group, but as, as members are engaging, we're, you're engaging back. One thing I didn't share is what I call the sacred four. I'd love for you guys to think about this and write this down. It's really what I, what I use as the foundation to creating belonging, like all the time in any type of uh, uh, community experience I'm creating. And it's safe, seen, heard, honored, and respected. So when we're building out processes for, for a community, I'm looking at like, how do people feel seen? How do they feel heard, right? And so when somebody posts something, for example, or comments on a thread, um, how can we help them know that we see them, we've heard them? Or it could be like, oh my gosh, Laura, you're in California. Hey, John, you're in California too. You guys should, what if... It'd be so cool, you know, so you're tagging multiple people into a post that's related or if saying John says, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to figure out how to lose these last 10 pounds. And Laura, you're like, oh, my gosh, I just had that other, you know, or Laura, you being the admin, um, you could say, John, you know what? Actually, there's uh, Steve actually had the same exact question two weeks ago. You tag Steve in there. Steve, what did you gain from the answer you received two weeks ago? Right. So now you're creating that engagement amongst people. So it's not just you having to be the guru in the room, right? You're really inviting them to their and their voices into the into it as well. That's been that's been really helpful because now that the Facebook is like, oh, it's not just one person constantly putting content out there. Luis, I see the next question. Uh, best way yes. from a podcast. Okay, yeah. We know I realize the time is like real short. <laughs> um, no worries. Three. One of my favorite ways is to um, is to give them a gift for joining. So inviting them to to join um, 
like, let's say you, you know, let's say Luis for you, you could say, Hey, we have a free gift for everybody that's going to join our profitable community network, uh, our profitable podcast network. Um, you know, here's a free gift to that sign up here and you set up an opt-in page specifically. So don't send them straight to the group, set up an opt-in page, get their information so you can follow up with them. And then on the thank you page, offer them access into the community at that point. Perfect. Um, I think there is one last one here and then I'll, we'll, we'll end it after that guys. And then if you have questions, follow up, um, Marusha, can you drop your email in the chat and then anyone who wants to shoot you a message later, I think that's probably the easiest way to get connected with you. Um, one was around, uh, Maureen. So she has a community for people in tech getting older. So people who are, you know, 35, 40 plus in, in tech, they don't really want to self-identify as like, Hey, like I'm an old person in tech, I guess. Um, and her question is like, how do we create a community, community around something that's not really something that most people in society want to identify as, if that makes sense. Um, and how do we go about cultivating that, um, community? I love it. Great question. So I think one of the things you can really think about is what are they making fun of themselves for? That could be one way, right? So for example, me being in my 40s, I'd be like, okay, I don't I don't necessarily want to be like, hey, I'm a 40-year-old trying to figure out tech. But I might say, hey, um, you know, uh, 1980s kid, you know, 1980s kid trying to, trying to uh, you know, trying try to make it in the world. That could be my community, right? Or like 80s kids making it in the world. And then there's there's certain things like memes and things that really are bringing in the the humor of being in that because when you bring in humor, for example, it's an opportunity for us to like break down the the shame, right? From a psychological perspective, we're like, oh, that's yeah. true, you know. So it could be little. There's so many other ways, but that could be that's the one one thing that just popped in for me. Yeah, I can think of like masters of tech because there's all around like aged aged employees who are don't want to be aged out of the company or like kind of like okay. you know fired or you know you can't fire people for being old but like they feel like they are made fun of or left behind because so so many young people in tech right so so yeah like masters of masters of tech or something like that like kind of playing all the call of famer hall of fame tech you know tech employees kind of thing like that legacy tech employees that that's really helpful i'll, I'll let her know that no, thank you so much, Marusha. This has been really, really, really cool. I am going to have to listen to this again. I'm going to have my team create show notes on this and then we'll send them out to, to everybody because uh, I think uh, this is a really, really fun one um, and something that doesn't take, it's it's not an overnight thing. So I think I really urge everyone here like to try the strategies to start to implement this stuff. And like, it's like planting seeds. Like it's going to take some nurturing. Um, but if you invest in it in the long run, I think it's, for people I know who have massive communities, it's like the most profitable thing they've ever done by yeah. far. And we have some podcasters, some clients of ours that have a, that build massive communities through their podcast. And they're like, they don't run ads because they don't need to. They have a very profitable community. You know what I mean? It feeds them, feeds their business entirely. So very well, cool stuff. you mind if I just share my email? I mean, my uh, I shared my email, but um, I'll share my my website and people can join um, our newsletter. We get a, We give a newsletter every week with Perfect. tips and strategies as well. Does that work? Yeah, send, drop that there. I got to hop to another call, but what I'll do is um, we'll make sure it um, it's in like in our Facebook group and then also when we send out emails to everybody. So thanks guys. I really appreciate you being here. Marusha, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Luis. Thank you everyone for your time. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. <laughs> 
Hey, Lewis again. I hope you enjoyed that episode and I hope you took something away that's going to help you on your journey towards launching a top ranking podcast and get 100,000 listeners or more, ideally more. Now, remember, the focus of this show is to help business owners launch podcasts that add more profit to their bottom line and more authority and credibility to their name. That's what we're about here on this podcast. Now, if that's you and you want help launching your podcast and getting it to rank in the top 100 of your category or your money back, then maybe my team and I can help you. But hold on. I do not want you to take my word for it. We all know that you can go on YouTube and learn how to launch a podcast. You can hire a million different companies and freelancers and consultants to help you. So I'd rather you hear from other business owners just like you who have gone through our process, gotten the results, and love what they have built. Check it out. Once I hired Lewis, he helped organize the entire show, the pre-launch, the contest. We had an epic contest, which is all Lewis is masterminding and uh, his whole organization of how to do that. We had over 107,000 entries into this contest. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, don't think twice because the investment is worth tenfold, not two or threefold, tenfold, tenfold for what you invest with Lewis. Only a matter of a few weeks, the podcast got launched. They also supported me through the entire launching process, how to communicate with my audience to maximize the results. And when it did launch within a few days, uh, we made it to the top 50 in two different countries. Uh, We get about 25,000 downloads a month and the podcast has literally completely changed my business. My podcast right now has 10x my business and that's not an exaggeration. When I started working with Lewis, I was making about 40K a month. Right now, my business is making $400,000 a month, and I credit a lot of that to the podcast. And then when they listen to one episode of the podcast, they'll listen to another episode of the podcast, and then that cold lead will turn into a warm lead that turns into a hot lead that becomes my customer. Right now, I have 775 active clients, and a lot of those people found us because of the podcast. Luis Diaz is the man. He knows exactly what he's talking about when it comes to starting a podcast. He knows exactly what he's talking about in terms of getting your podcast to 100,000 downloads. Because right now, my podcast has over 225,000 downloads, and it's been about a year and seven months. I didn't just want to do a podcast. I wanted to do it the right way. We are at number two in the parenting category of Apple Podcasts the week that we launched. We're now hanging tight in the top 25. Could not have done any of this without your assistance, Lewis. Literally, I keep asking Lewis, like, how can I give you more money? Like, what else can we do together? Because literally working with you has changed my life. It's changed my podcast. It's bigger than that. It's changed my business. Lewis Diaz, badass podcast growth expert.